and welcome to this special Salt and Light Radio Easter edition. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Now, Holy Saturday is traditionally a time of waiting, and many of you still have not yet been to the Easter Vigil Mass, although some of you have. So we're going to take a little bit of artistic license and officially begin celebrating. So sit back, relax, and together, let's celebrate new life, the resurrection. And let's begin with Gretchen Harris with her song, Life After Death. And I heard how my heart was torn to feel what she must feel. The moment passed, leaving her alone and so much smaller on her own. Gretchen Harris with Life After Death. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is a special Easter edition of Salt and Light Radio. Every Easter vigil begins with a beautiful ceremony of light. Many parishes will have a bonfire outside of the church where the Paschal candle is lit. Everyone has small candles, which are lit from this Paschal candle as people process into the main church. All the lights are dim, and the church is only lit by the lights of the flickering candles. It is a powerful symbol that Jesus is the light of the world. The priest or deacon then sings the exalted. Rejoice, heavenly powers. 
Sing choirs of angels, exalt all creation around God's throne. Jesus Christ, our King, is risen. Sound the trumpet of salvation. Father, how wonderful your care for us. How boundless your merciful love. To ransom a slave, you gave away your son. Accept this Easter candle, a flame divided but undimmed, a pillar of fire that glows to the honor of God. Let it mingle with the lights of heaven and continue bravely burning to dispel the darkness of this night. May the morning star which never sets find this flame still burning. Christ, that morning star, who came back from the dead and shed his peaceful light on all mankind, your Son, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Those are words from the exalted from the Easter Vigil. Here now is Critical Mass with Night the Morning Came from their album Grasping for Hope in the Darkness. There's a full moon, it's a spotlight on this cold earth in this dark night and we're waiting for the light of the sun there's a red glow in the distance as the black sea starts to glisten and the fog rises like a veil from our eyes
That was Critical Mass with Night the Morning Came from their album Grasping for Hope in the Darkness. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You're listening to a special Easter edition of Salt and Light Radio, and here now with me is Lawrence. So I guess it's okay to say Happy Easter, even though it's still Saturday night. That's right, yeah. Um, and for me, anyways, Easter Vigil this Saturday is it's very significant because, as you know, um, nine years ago I was baptized. Yeah. Right, when I was 17. Right. Um, at Easter Vigil. So, like, every year it's like it brings all those memories back. Mm-hmm. And um, the time was very, very special for me because, like, a few months later, it was 2002, went to World Youth Day. Right. And that was the first time I ever saw JP2. Like, I was literally 10 feet from him. Right. And the beatification is coming up. That's right. Next weekend. John Paul so on, on May 1st. So it's all kind of come together. Okay, yeah. So Easter for you is kind of an anniversary. It is, exactly. But it also reminds you of John Paul II in a way. It does, yeah. So it's doubly and, significant. And he's being beatified yeah. next week. So it all comes together That's this right. year for you. Exactly. Um, but what, what I wanted to talk about, what I think is, is interesting, is there's a tradition in many Eastern... Uh, right Catholic churches where they read the homily, um, the Easter Sunday homily by St. John Chrysostom. Okay. So, I'd, so I'll just say a few words about St. John Chrysostom. So mm-hmm. he was um, Archbishop of Constantinople in the f- a late 4th century, um, and he's also a doctor of the church. Right. Um, so he was given the name, the surname Chrysostom. It's Greek. It means literally golden-mouthed. That was because he was an amazing preacher. Like okay, he, yeah. He um, was outstanding. Um, mm-hmm. But besides, besides his preaching, he also greatly influenced the Eastern liturgy, the Divine Liturgy. Mm-hmm. Um, so his liturgy, the D- Divine Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, is actually uh, one of the most common ones celebrated throughout the year. They have several other ones, but that one is the one in the Byzantine Rite that they celebrate most frequently. Mm-hmm. And so, like as I said, um, it's a tradition among many Eastern Catholic churches, to read the Easter Sunday homily written by St. John Chrysostom. Yeah. It's also tradition that they stand during the reading and that even sometimes the por- some portions of it are, are um, there's participation with the congregation. So you're going to read it and you want me to stand? Maybe you should stand, I think, would be you best. You think so? It's not a lot of room in here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Maybe you can sit this one time. I'll sit, but you're going to read the homily <laughs> by St. John Chrysostom that's traditionally read in many Eastern Catholic churches during the Easter vigil. That's right. So okay. here, uh, here is uh, St. John Chrysostom's Easter Sunday homily. If anyone is devout and a lover of God, let them enjoy this beautiful and radiant festival. If anyone is a grateful servant, let them rejoicing enter into the joy of his Lord. If anyone has wearied themselves in fasting, let them now receive recompense. If anyone has labored from the first hour, let them today receive the just reward. If anyone has come at the third hour, with thanksgiving, let them feast. If anyone has arrived at the sixth hour, let them have no misgivings, for they shall suffer no loss. If anyone has delayed until the ninth hour, let them draw near without hesitation. And if anyone has arrived even at the eleventh hour, let them not fear on account of tardiness. 
For the master is gracious and receives the last, even as the first. He gives rest to him that comes at the eleventh hour, just as to him who has labored from the first. He has mercy upon the last and cares for the first. To the one he gives and to the other he is gracious. He both honors the work and praises the intention. Enter all of you, therefore, into the joy of our Lord, and whether first or last, receive your reward. O rich and poor, one with another, dance for joy. O you ascetics and you negligent, celebrate the day. You that have fasted and you that have disregarded the fast, rejoice today. The table is rich laden, feast royally, all of you. The calf is fatted, let no one go forth hungry. Let all partake of the feast of faith. Let all receive the riches of goodness. Let no one lament their poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let no one mourn their transgressions, for pardon has dawned from the grave. Let no one fear death, for the Savior's death has set us free. He that was taken by death has annihilated it. He descended into Hades and took Hades captive. He embittered it when it tasted his flesh. And anticipating this, Isaiah exclaimed, Hades was embittered when it encountered thee in the lower regions. It was embittered, for it was abolished. It was embittered, for it was mocked. It was embittered, for it was purged. It was embittered, for it was despoiled. It was embittered, for it was bound in chains. It took a body and came upon God. It took earth and encountered heaven. It took what it saw, but crumbled before what cannot be seen. O death, where is thy sting? O Hades, where is thy victory? Christ is risen, and you are overthrown. Christ is risen, and the demons are fallen. Christ is risen, and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen, and life reigns. Christ is risen, and not one dead remains in a tomb. For Christ, being raised from the dead, has become the firstfruits of them that have slept. To him be glory and might unto the ages of ages. Amen. So that was the homily by St. John Chrysostom for Easter Sunday. Um, normally, as I said, normally um, proclaimed in the Eastern Rite churches. Very nice. Churches. I like this. Uh, what, I, what I really love about this is um, it's just the beginning, the part where it's like no matter what has mm -hmm. happened during Lent, mm -hmm. whether or not you've been good with, with fasting and with your penances, that everybody... Is um, welcome. Is welcome, yeah. and everybody should rejoice. Yes. And it, it reminds me of um, this one nun in, um, a sister of St. Anne, actually, in Victoria, B.C., where I um, mm -hmm. went to school, and she would always say, we are people of the resurrection. Yeah, she's right. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you very much, Lawrence. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this. I, I really like this. I had heard about the homily by St. John Chrysostom. I didn't know that it was read traditionally in some of the... Yeah. Eastern Churches, so this is very special. Thank you very much, and happy anniversary. Thank you. This is Dave Wong from Critical Mass. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel. There are seven readings during the Easter Vigil, and each reading is accompanied by a psalm. As we read from the Scriptures, we remember God's mercy and help. One of the psalms is Psalm 104. Lord, Send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are great indeed. You are clothed with majesty and glory, robed in light as with a cloak. You fix the earth upon its foundation, not to be moved forever. With the ocean, as with the garment, you covered it. Above the mountains, the waters stood. You send forth springs into the watercourses that wind among the mountains. Beside them, the birds of heavens dwell. From among the branches, they send forth their song. You water the mountains from your palace. The earth is replete with the fruit of your works. You raise grass for the cattle and vegetation for man's use, producing bread from the earth. How manifold are your works, O Lord! In wisdom you have wrought them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Alleluia. That was from Psalm 104. Here now is Susan Bailey with Lord, Send Out Your Spirit.
That was Susan Bailey with Lord, Send Out Your Spirit. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Jenna Murphy, and I'd like to tell you about what was perhaps the best Easter of my life. That was the Easter of 2007. That Easter was the time when my father entered into eternity. It might sound a bit strange, but I'm still riding on so much of the faith and the graces from that time. It was a really beautiful time in my family's life. Um, So I wrote an article about that back in 2007, and I'd love to share it with you. I have just recently moved back to my hometown of Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, to be with my family for a while. My father has been fighting cancer for six years, and after reams of chemotherapy and experimental treatments, his body is tired of the fight. Since the beginning of Lent, I have had the opportunity to live out the way of the cross in the supernatural realm that surrounds a soul in transition. Suffering has made my father a holy man, and in turn, those around him have no choice but to become holy too. In my father's sickness, I have tangibly experienced the body of Christ. I have quietly watched as people have come forward, each offering their humble service with no hope of repayment. I have watched people bring turkey dinners, others fill our house with flowers, others vacuum around me, and still others correct plumbing problems and shovel our driveway. All of this done with such joy to be of service. When we spend our lives serving others, we are never at a loss. Instead, we are storing up treasure for the end of our lives and in heaven, and I see this is precisely what my father has done for himself. From this vantage point, I see that throughout my entire life, I have regarded death and grief as something other, something completely foreign and irrelevant to my life. When cancer came into my family, however, I quickly became aware not only of the relevance of death, but also its glory. I understand now that our whole lives should be spent serving those around us, and preparing ourselves to meet our Lord. Our life is merely a means to an end and not an end in itself. How often I have heard this said, but only now do I fully understand it. Of course, it is normal to be fearful of change, but death is not meant to be terrifying. After all, it is the event that our soul longs for every day. In St. Faustina's diary, our Lord tells her, Pray as much as you can for the dying. By your entreaties, obtain for them trust in my mercy, because they have the most need of trust and have it the least. Be assured that the grace of eternal salvation for certain souls in their final moment depends on your prayer. True to these words, my mother woke up one morning with the idea to open our doors every night for a community rosary. Every night at 7.30, a different 30 to 60 people came to our house to ask for the Blessed Mother's intercession. If there is one word to describe the atmosphere in our home during these evening rosary sessions, that word is peacefulness, a peace that transcended everyone's personal faith walk. I have read many books on the saints, and one thing I've always remarked is that their deaths are extraordinary and always peaceful, even the murders. I always remember thinking how beautiful it would be to be present at such a death, because everyone would be so certain of the treasure awaiting that faithful soul. When we spend time with those who have great faith, we find ourselves becoming more faithful. Even in death, our work is not done. If anything, the impact of our faith on others increases dramatically as we near the end of our earthly lives. At my dad's bedside, I saw hearts of stone crumble, perspectives change, and minds open with only a few whispered words from my dad. I will never again fail to see the value in suffering again. We have a God who operates outside of time, keeping in mind that this life is a speck in eternity, a grain of sand on that celestial beach. The pain of this life is a small price to pay 
for not only one's own salvation and eternal joy, but also the joy of others. We need to remember that Jesus, God's only Son, came to earth with the express purpose of suffering and dying for us. If suffering is God's way of attaining salvation for the world, how much more then should we recognize its power to save? And that was an article from the Catholic Register of March 2007, an article I wrote about my dad. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. God is a God of promises, and all throughout the history of the Jewish people, he kept reminding them of the same promise, a promise of salvation. Even though the Israelites continually broke their end of the bargain, God was always faithful. Psalm 30 says, I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. I will extol you, O Lord, for you drew me near. I will extol you, O Lord, for you drew me clear and did not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, you brought me up from the netherworld. You preserved me from among those going down into the pit. Sing praise to the Lord for his faithful ones and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger lasts but a moment, a lifetime his goodwill. At nightfall, weeping enters in, but with the dawn, rejoicing. Hear, O Lord, and have pity on me. O Lord, be my helper. You have changed my mourning into dancing. O Lord, my God, forever will I give you thanks. That is from Psalm 30. Here now is Joe Zambone with New Day from his album, You Are, I Am.
That was Joe Zambone with New Day from his album, You Are, I Am. Many people like to ignore the cross and skip right to the resurrection. It's much easier. But we must remember that without the cross, there is no resurrection. Jesus did say to embrace the cross if you want to follow him. It is at the foot of the cross that Christ gathers us into one. St. Paul writes in the letter to the Romans, Are you unaware that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were indeed buried with him through baptism into death, so that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, <laughs> Oops, okay, sorry. Are you unaware that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were indeed buried with him through baptism into death, so that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might live in newness of life. For if we have grown, for if we have grown into union with him through a death like his, we shall also be united with him in the resurrection. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that our sinful body might be done away with, that we might no longer be in slavery to sin. For a dead person has been absolved from sin. If then we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. We know that Christ, raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has power over him. As to his death, he died to sin once and for all. As to his life, he lives for God. Consequently, you too must think of yourselves as being dead to sin and living for God in Christ Jesus. That was from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. This is At the Foot of the Cross by Robert Gallia from his album, What a Day. There are many paths to follow Voices calling out your name Bringing joy, other sorrows But all is pointless when you're alone Striding wounded and forsaken Shattered by your guilt and Shame. Feeling lost, isolated Oh soul, my soul, I need a savior So come see, come rest Wherever you are, come
That was Father Robert Gallia with At the Foot of the Cross from his album, What a Day. I'm Meg, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel. This is How My Son Saved Easter by Lynn Bowen Walker. It was with high hopes one Easter several years ago that I whipped together a batch of homemade salt dough, ready for the hours of fun family time with my children that would result. As I mixed, cooled, and kneaded, I imagined our cozy family of four all scooched up close around the round kitchen table, never mind that ours is rectangular, laughing together as we fashioned little clay shapes that would become an Easter centerpiece. Of course, it would be identical to the picture in the craft book, a delicate bird's nest cradling tiny blue robin's eggs. In this picture in my head, we were each doing our small part. My boys were squishing dough through the garlic press in a beautiful cooperative effort. My husband and I were gently extracting every ounce of teachability from the moment. I envisioned how we would talk about working together as a body, each one with his unique role that added up to a perfect whole. We might talk about the symbolism of the eggs as new life, or the nest and the way God can make something useful and good out of the scruffy old twigs in our lives. Oh, the fun we would have. Hey guys, I hollered up the stairs. Come on down, I have a project for us to do. Over the background noise of incessantly cheery video game music, I distinctly heard groans. Do we have to, said one of the boys, or maybe it was both. I searched my brain for an answer. This wasn't in my script. Well, no, you don't have to, I stammered, but it'll be fun. We're going to make an Easter centerpiece. My enthusiasm began to wane as my fantasy family was slowly replaced by my real one. Without wanting to, I recalled my last attempt at family crafts time. Or maybe it was the last dozen attempts. Into my memory came the beautiful origami paper that I finally conceded would never be folded into little paper cranes. We sold the paper at the church flea market. Next came the cross-stitched kits I had poignantly passed on to two young girls the previous summer, finally acknowledging that we were not to be a cross-stitch family either. To my dismay, the memories just kept coming. Guys, what do you say? My then 12 and 13-year-old sons were kind and sensitive and all that, but the choice between Crash Bandicoot video games or a spiritually significant craft project with mom was a no-brainer. Uh, mom, mind if we don't come? No, I faltered, but if you change your mind, it's going to be fun. I sounded lame, even to myself. My husband was happy in the garage doing chores, so I decided to make the nest and eggs myself. It would be fun. They'd see. A couple hours later, I had my centerpiece. Not precisely like the picture in the book, but close enough. I called my friend, a kindergarten teacher, to tell her about the project. At least someone cared, and even suggested it might work for her class. I went to bed, a contented woman. I should have known something was amiss when, in the middle of the night, the dog uncharacteristically whined to be let outside. Twice. When I got up the next morning, I was confronted with copious evidence, from the kitchen all the way through the living room, that she desperately needed to be let out not twice, but three times. Apparently our furry friend had hoisted herself onto the kitchen table and chosen my salt dough masterpiece as her midnight snack. All that salt dough must have made her thirsty enough to drink buckets of water, which made her have to, well, you know. After an emergency trip to rent a carpet steam cleaner, I was finally ready to give up. We were not a crafty creative family, 
and it looked like we would never be. That night, I tossed my mutilated nest and eggs into the garbage. A bit dejected, I pulled out the leftover dough from the refrigerator. I sat down and absentmindedly began squeezing it through my fingers. It was the perfect texture for squishing and squeezing. I pulled out some eggshells I had hollowed earlier in the week, back when my holiday fantasy was still in full force. I sat and waited for inspiration. It didn't come. What you doing? asked one son on his way through the kitchen. Just trying to figure out what to do with this dough and these eggs. No enthusiastic pitch for his participation. No craft book to wave at him. No agenda. My son sat down and picked up some dough. This stuff is neat. I looked up in surprise. He started twisting it into shapes. We could put crosses in the eggs, he suggested. We tried it, sticking blobs of dough into the two-inch-long opening in the side of each egg and carefully squishing in little dough crosses. How about if we twist the different colors of dough together and put the little rope around the eggshell openings? I suggested, and we did. Let's make a base, my son added, fashioning more dough into a rectangular block. The eggs could go on top. Yeah, I said, picking up on his enthusiasm. We have three eggs, just like the three men who were crucified together, Jesus and the two thieves. We set the three eggs on the base. Next, we made a cave of dough to represent Christ's tomb. And as a final touch, we sat a stone next to it to signify the stone that was rolled away. We stepped back to admire our creation. A good hour had passed with the two of us working side by side, laughing, talking, bonding. This is really neat, my son said. Yeah, I agreed, meaning more than just the new centerpiece. The world stopped for a few minutes as we stood gazing at our Easter scene, my arm around my son's shoulder. That moment, I was struck anew with God's glorious grace, how he cared enough to take the efforts of an overzealous mom, an apathetic family, and a gluttonous dog, and somehow create something wonderful. Maybe I couldn't turn us into a picture-perfect family with scripted roles and scripted lines. Maybe I should stop trying. Maybe this real family and the unexpected special moments given to us by a loving Heavenly Father was even better. If you are thinking of making an Easter centerpiece of your own, try it. It's fun. But watch the dog. That was How My Son Saved Easter by Lynn Bowen Walker. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. This is an excerpt from the book Rediscovering Catholicism by Matthew Kelly. Matthew is a Catholic writer and speaker, and his work is often featured in the New York Times. As Catholics, the one thing we do more than anything else is celebrate. Everything the Church does is centered around a celebration. We celebrate life. We celebrate the changing seasons with the richness of the Church's calendar. We celebrate excellence by honoring the heroes of our faith as saints and patrons. We celebrate birth and rebirth with baptism and burial. We celebrate truth, beauty, and goodness by seeking them out wherever they are to be found and honoring them in our everyday lives. We celebrate Christmas and Easter. We celebrate pilgrimage, our common journey and our own individual journeys. We celebrate salvation. We celebrate forgiveness with reconciliation. We celebrate total dedication to the spiritual life with holy orders. We celebrate education. We celebrate communion with God and community with the Mass. 
We celebrate unity by seeking to bridge the gaps. We celebrate love with marriage. We celebrate. The spirit of Catholicism is predominantly celebration. Celebration is the genius and the fundamental orientation of our faith. At this time in history, both life and faith are being attacked with full force in a culture that races towards self-destruction. These are direct attacks on the essence of the human person. I believe the best way to defend life is to celebrate life. I believe that the best way to celebrate life is to live our own lives to the fullest, to embrace life with both arms wide open, to lay our lives enthusiastically at the service of humanity, to love deeply the people who cross our paths, and above all, to embrace our God. Life should never be wasted, not one moment, because life is precious. I believe the best way to defend the faith is to celebrate the faith. The best way to celebrate Catholicism is to live the faith more fully with each passing day, allowing it to reach into every corner of our lives. When Catholicism is the foundation of our family life, our social life, our intellectual life, our spiritual life, our community life, and our professional life, then we will have established an integrated life, a life of integrity. That unity of life will speak more powerfully than any words we can ever speak. And if just a handful of people in one place and one time will give their whole selves to seeking, discovering, embracing, and living this life, they will change the whole course of human history. What are we celebrating as a culture? What are you celebrating? You have become the person you are because of the things you celebrate. Our culture has become what it is because of the things we celebrate. You can celebrate anything you wish. You can celebrate life and faith. You can celebrate love and honesty, mercy and forgiveness, kindness and generosity. You can celebrate truth. You can celebrate truth, beauty, goodness and redemption. On the other hand, you can celebrate destruction and paganism. You can celebrate hatred and violence, selfishness and greed, contempt and disrespect. You can celebrate perversion, corruption, pride and deceit. But one thing is certain. We become what we celebrate. This is the one immutable truth found in the life of every person who has ever lived. We become what we celebrate. It is not true only in the life of a person, but also in the life of a family. It is true in the life of a nation, and it is true in the life of the church. Let the celebration begin. And that was an excerpt from Matthew Kelly's Rediscovering Catholicism. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. Now here's an interesting chain email I received. It's entitled, Easter Obituary. Calvary. Jesus Christ, 33, of Nazareth, died Friday on Mount Calvary, also known as Golgotha, the place of the skull. Betrayed by the Apostle Judas, Jesus was crucified by the Romans by order of the ruler Pontius Pilate. The causes of death were crucifixion, extreme exhaustion, severe torture, and loss of blood. Jesus Christ, a descendant of Abraham, was a member of the house of David. He was the son of the late Joseph, a carpenter of Nazareth, and Mary, his devoted mother. Jesus was born in a stable in the city of Bethlehem, Judea. He is survived by his mother Mary, his faithful apostles, numerous disciples, and many other followers. Jesus was self-educated and spent most of his adult life working as a teacher. Jesus also occasionally worked as a medical doctor, and it is reported that he healed many patients. Up until the time of his death, Jesus was teaching and sharing the good news, healing the sick, touching the lonely, feeding the hungry, and helping the poor. 
Jesus was most noted for telling parables about his father's kingdom and performing miracles such as feeding over 5,000 people with only five loaves of bread and two fish and healing a man who was born blind. On the day before his death, he held a last supper celebrating the Passover feast at which he foretold his death. The body was quickly buried in a stone grave, which was donated by Joseph of Arimathea, a loyal friend of the family. By order of Pontius Pilate, a boulder was rolled in front of, in front of the tomb. Roman soldiers were put on guard. In lieu of flowers, the family has requested that everyone try to live as Jesus did. Donations may be sent to anyone in need. Again, that was a chain email I received entitled Easter Obituary. Here now are Audrey Assad and Sarah Hart with All Things New.
That was Audrey Assad and Sarah Hart with their song, All Things New. According to the Gospel of Mark, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. Very, very early when the sun had risen, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb. They were saying to one another, Who will roll back the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. On entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a white robe, and they were utterly amazed. He said to them, Do not be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, the crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. And this brings us pretty much to the end of today's broadcast. If you missed any of our program, visit our website, saltandlighttv.org radio. All Salt and Light Radio programs are available there for download. On the same page, you can find links to all the artists whom we feature on Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. My name is Pedro Guevara Man, and tonight I was joined by Jenna Murphy, Andrew Santos, and Lawrence Fluco. Thank you for being with us. Have a holy and blessed Easter season. Jesus is alive. Alleluia. Here now is Jesus Christ, You Are My Life by Father Marco Frazina. <laughs>